fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them. When you sit at home and you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Did Dave take off? That means I can talk about him. Good. That was my goal. <laughs> uh, last week, for those of you, I hope you're all here last week because Dave gave one of the most powerhouse sermons I have ever heard. Um, it was amazing. So uh, I'm a little bit humbled to have to, to get to follow that. Um, somebody at Bridge this week, I was sitting by a couple people, we were discussing Dave's sermon, and someone said to me, you know, and this is a mature uh, guy who's been in the church for a long time, and he said, that may have been the best sermon I've ever heard. And I thought, how blessed are we by that young man's gift and how the Lord speaks through him and what he's been working on this year. So it's, a, it's as I said, it's a privilege and a great um, opportunity for me to be able to be up here and share with you this morning as well. So I have to tell you how to say the sermon title. It's like this, word. Okay, you have to say it different word. Um, yeah, all right. So some of you get that. Uh, it was a phrase that people said a while back. But that's what we're going to talk about. And I'm going to hope that the word will instruct you. So it'll be lots of it and very little of me, to the extent that that can happen. So with Dave's sermon last week, if church is a convention, he was the keynote. And so I get to wrap up, right? So I get to pitch and get you to join the party, Sam. That's really what I'm going for today. Um, let me tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to look at the passage and do some exegesis, big word, just explaining what I think it means um, to give you a little color. It's not that hard to grasp, frankly. Um, and then I'm going to let the Bible speak for itself about what it thinks about itself, right? And I think that you may enjoy that. Those of you who want to take notes, there's a lot to take. So if you have your pens and paper ready, that would be uh, awesome. So after I'll let the Bible speak for itself, I'm going to illustrate a few superheroes um, in the Bible, who use their knowledge from memory of the word to do big things, and hopefully that will inspire you, and finally I'm going to end with some application, right? So, oh, there's no clock up here. That means I'm exempt from time limits. That's awesome. Okay. So, turn with me to Deuteronomy 11, um, and let's look at it. Number one, this is the repetition of almost the verbatim instructions from Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. Right? So this repeats a few times, and I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, let me just read the passage for you one more time. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to give your forefathers as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. So, um, let me take some words in there. It, you'll notice it deals with every part of a person. It talks heart and soul, right? And then it talks about hands and foreheads. So, it's internal and it's external and it's everywhere and all the time. 
right? When, you walk, when, you, when you're walking, when you're sitting at home, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up in the morning, you should be obsessed, absorbed by the word of God, right? So we're going to talk about how you get to that place by letting the Bible talk about it a little bit. Whoops, now, let's see. Whoops. Well, all right, there's the title. So there you are. Um, it's this. What this passage is saying about the word of God is this, which I copped from a well-known international architectural firm. They have a culture, and they say, learn it, love it, live it. Well, if anyone, if there were anything from the corporate culture that we were to co-opt as believers, it's that. And that's the summary of this passage in terms of the word. Okay? So, he says, verse 18, fix these words of mine. In, in New King James, or Old King James, it says, lay up these words. And I actually prefer lay up as the description of that word. And you want to think about it as like preserving summer's bounty to put in the, in the fruit cellar. And do you have it to use later? Right? It's lay up. Right? Store. Also, um, it says somewhere in the New Testament, uh, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. This is the same idea. You're putting something in a special place that is going to benefit you at a later time. So, like this verse, for example, um, I call this Heaven's 911 because that helps you remember the address, because 911, sort of palindrome of 911 there, it's uh, your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Okay? That is exactly like that little guy down at the bottom. That's what he's doing. He's storing up the word in his heart so he can pull on it when he needs it, like in a moment of discouragement or doubt or temptation. Then it talks about hearts and minds. Right? Fix them, store them, lay them up. He's putting them in a tree trunk. But for y'all, it's going to begin your heart and your mind. That means, and this is really important, especially for men. Okay, it means intellectually, guys are really good at that, but it also means emotionally. When it talks about heart and soul, that's talking about your guts, right? I feel this, I crave this, I have a passion for this, right? Note, it's also referring back to uh, the verse that Jesus quotes as the first and greatest commandment, which is what? Yes, you, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And he's saying here, okay, and how do you do that? Partly by putting up his word in those same places. Okay? Now, I really like this idea of tie them and bind them. Right? So, uh, I'm thinking, blessed be the tie that binds. It was, it's kind of interesting. I never thought that that hymn came from... Uh, this passage, but now I think it, they may, uh, it may well have, okay? I think the author may have been meaning that metaphorically, but I got to tell you, the, um, the Jews often took metaphorical expressions of the Old Testament and made them very real and very practical. This is at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, those are two young Jewish guys getting ready to go and pray at the Wailing Wall. Uh, it's hard to get more Jewish than at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. And see the fellow on the right, you'll recognize that, the hat of Hasidic Jew. Um, fellow on the left has a yarmulke on, and he's not giving him a shot um, in his arm. What he's doing is he's strapping on a little box, little leather box, called a phylactery, Right? In that phylactery, he's written on a tiny piece of paper, Exodus 13, 2 through 10, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 8, and this passage. 
And he's literally going to tie them as symbols on his hands and wear them on his forehead. Okay? Um, taking it sort of literally. So that's preparing to do it. And bear with me on this next picture, but it'll, it'll make a point. Ignoring the guy in the front. Do you see over here? That fellow kind of inclined. You see those racing, those, uh, racing stripes on his arm? That's binding. He is bound to his arm as a symbol, the word of God. And you see that thing on his head that kind of looks like a GoPro? All right, I went to the Wailing Wall and I thought, what's all these dudes with GoPros on? And then I realized, no, it's not that at all. That's a phylactery. And he literally bound it on his head like a headband. And then he goes to the Wailing Wall to pray. Okay? So, um, these are all uh, talking, all the scripture verses talk about this binding and tying as symbols. And it's visible. Okay? This is outwardly visible, which I think is a really interesting thing. Now, it's possible that a cultural reference point to talking about binding symbols and wearing them on your head and your arms came from the pagan culture that surrounded them, where people who worshipped idols would sometimes make incantations to their idols and wear them on their bodies as essentially good luck charms. Contemporary model of that would be somebody wearing a St. Christopher to keep you safe. People still do that, I think. I mean, not so much evangelicals, but there are some people who do that. So it may have come from that, as a lot of the things in the Jewish tradition actually took pagan customs and sanctified them in a way um, that circumcision was not unique to Jews, for example. But they took it and they made it at the eight, eight days, not at 13. And they, they cleaned it up and made it a part of their ritual. All right, many of us today practice something like this. And uh, we wear, a lot of people have a WWJD bracelet on or some sort of scriptural reference. And just to prove a point, last week David said something about youth going on a mission and wearing a t-shirt to stand out. This is one of my favorites. What's on the back? References to God's word, right? What's on the front? The central message of what we're called to do as we follow Jesus. And I just like, that says obedience, by the way, if you're trying to figure out this. What's the word right in the middle of obedience? And that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. Um, then he goes on to the external. He talks about teaching and talking about the word all the time. I love this. I know we have gobs of parents, both mature parents and young parents, in this church. And it says, teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And so this is an interesting thing, is that in the ancient Near Middle Eastern culture, often houses were very small and the whole family slept in the same place. David referenced that last week when he was explaining to your children and your children's children. It's because quarters were small and they often did rise and go to bed at the same time. Therefore, they're with their children all the time. Dad and mom are constantly talking about this, right? Reminding themselves of God's commandments and his decrees and all the other things that they are um, exhorted to do. And I think about, when you think about teaching, it says teach them to your children. Um, some of you may not feel prepared to open scripture to your children. Guess what? You don't need to start there. Teaching can be as simple as reading it. Reading, especially repetitively, because you start to, you start to hear it and you recognize the stories right? And then as you go back and do it again, oh yeah, I remember that. And oh yeah, I remember that. And it sort of builds on itself. 
And all the time, right, when you're walking, when you're sitting at home, when you're rising in the morning, when you're going down at night, um, it's just constant. It reminds me of the song that we sing, Ever Be. Your praise will ever be on my lips. And it's that kind of encouragement, that kind of reminder. When you don't have anything better to talk about, and really, is there anything better to talk about? Talk about the word. Okay. And the door frames and gates, uh, this is an interesting expression. A lot of you do this already as well. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. That little thing, it's not the greatest picture in the world, but that's a door frame with this ornament on it. That's a Jewish mezuzah. And I just had to say that because I love saying mezuzah. Um, And that is key reminders. That is writing them on the doorposts of your house, right? A lot of them touch that on the way in and out of the house. Various um, denominations have picked up references that kind of remind us of that. And a lot of you all have scripture verses in your house or, or Christian art in your house or you put something over your doorpost. I see a lot of people with stuff written on the lintel, right? Um, so it's just a very practical reminder. Now what this does is not only remind you of what you believe, but it pretty much announces to anybody who darkens your door what you believe as well, right? So it kind of calls you out a little bit. Okay, now... Um, I'm going to give, this is where, believe it or not, I'm going to pick up the pace here. (laughs) Um, So hang on there with me. And uh, if you can't, uh, if if it gets too much, um, note that I will post the notes. They'll go to the website and you can listen to it again and or read the notes there. But here's what we're going to do. I want you to, I want to take a look at what the Bible says about itself and our relationship to it. Okay, so... I want to start with this one. Generally, I'm going to go in order, Old Testament to New Testament. But this is a really amazing verse. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. Right? This is such a great expression. But it says, do your best to present yourself to God. In King James, and I just, as an aside, um, when I think about scripture that I have memorized, it's often in King James. And I'm thinking, I learned a lot of it as a child, right? Um, And so it's very interesting to do that. Um, But just as a note, so when I see it, that's why I have to read it in NIV, so I can uh, make sure I get it correctly. Anyway, the correctly handles the word of truth. It also says in King James, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word itself means to cut straight. I love that, right? And it just makes, don't, move, don't mess around with it. Know enough of it. Understand of it. Bounce it off your peers and colleagues so you understand what you're talking about. And guess what? I'm not going to use this as your motivation, but you might, in fact, be approved by God in that activity if you devote yourself to that. All right, so... What should we study and what should we handle correctly? More Timothy for you. All scripture. Okay? All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Okay? So we, as we're absorbing it, as we're putting it on our doorposts, as we're wearing it on our heads metaphorically, sometimes literally, we think that, and that's where we're going. It's all scripture. More on that in a minute. All right, the Old Testament, and Psalms in particular, Psalms in particular are a treasure trove of fondness for the word, what it does for us, and how it leads us. You know this one, this is right off the bat in Psalms. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight 
is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Okay, this is a psalm of David. David, as you know, was a man after God's own heart. Consequently, he would have bound the word in his forehead and worn it as symbols on his hands and meditated on it day and night. So when David says it, he's speaking with the utmost sincerity about something he actually practiced. All right? Um, Psalms is kind of a long book. And in the middle of that long book, there's an enormously long psalm, uh, Psalm 119. But it is just amazing. It assembles stanzas based on the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. I think there's 26, 28, can't remember exactly. And this is one of my favorite ones. And just let me read this to you. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. There's the 911. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. See if you can find a line in one of those couplets anywhere that doesn't mention commands, decrees, or laws. Right? With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. So I'm going to underscore that last point. Quickly on this one, in Proverbs, my son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. It's another spin on the phylactery and the symbols, the visible symbols. Um, And also shows you the passage that we're in talks about teaching them to your children. This is a bit of a word to the children listening to that instruction from your father and mother who are talking about this constantly. Okay, so that's the Old Testament overview. Popping to the New, just after the high priestly prayer near the end of the book of John, Jesus says this. He's praying to the Father. He's talking about us. He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. It's almost, I'm almost ready to close in prayer and just stop right there. Because I think this verse is so significant. It indicates the Father's activity in producing your sanctification, i.e. not your own. But it indicates your engagement, partnering, quinonia, if you will, with the Holy Spirit toward your sanctification by reading the book. That's how it all works together. All right. Continuing our tour through the New Testament. In Romans, Paul has been... Um, by the way, I just, uh, just nearly finished the book of Acts. And uh, Acts is really crazy. The second half of the book... Acts is like full of superheroes. And I'm going to talk about them in a moment. But a lot of it is Paul's travelogue, right? And all his adventures. And he, when he's in Rome for a while, he goes to Rome because he appeals his case to Caesar... And as he's there, he's kind of under house arrest. And there's this great occasion where he's going and he calls all the Jews of Jerusalem together and says, all right, all right, I know I have a reputation that precedes me. Let me attempt to explain to you what uh, I'm doing, right? Um, oops, sorry, that was one that I, that I cut out. But we'll come back to this. This is in, in, Paul also wrote Romans, okay, after that experience. And he said, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. I love that one. Through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, 
we might have hope. That speaks directly into difficult circumstances, to testing seasons, doesn't it? Um, I have to say, the explanation I was giving about Paul in Jerusalem was something I edited out, because after that, he spends all day and all evening reasoning to the Jews uh, where Jesus is in the Old Testament, right? And about half of them believe, and most of them don't. I like this one, too. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God, right? Um, I love this because we do this. Curiously, this morning, we didn't sing a lot of those scripture songs. Like, uh, I love how you can easily memorize scripture. Let's do an experiment. If I said to you, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you would say to me, thank you. You have memorized scripture, haven't you? That's awesome. And we get, so music is a tremendous way to do that. And think of when you register the number of songs um, that teach scripture, boom, just out like that, uh, it's pretty amazing stuff. Okay. And admonish one another too, which means not just your children, but we're actually teaching each other. Oh, in one of my all-time favorite verses, and my wife um, looks at me and laughs, and she says, you have a lot of all-time favorite verses, but this one is really amazing. The word of God is living. It's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Do you know what that verse is saying? The Bible works you. Right? If you're really in it and you're really listening, it will work you. Like a sword cutting between joints and marrow. Hello? As if that were possible. That's the illustration he's making in using that metaphor. Right? The more you're in it, the more you get worked. Right? Okay. Now, I want to give you some examples of some workmen in the Bible who do a remarkable job of using the treasure they have laid up in their hearts and minds to make big public impacts. Okay. The, uh, first, there's that guy. Um, I love this story. Jesus, as you know, quoted the book of Deuteronomy more than anything else from the Old Testament. Just incidentally, his temptation in the wilderness, all those verses are from Deuteronomy. Stuff he quotes later, all from Deuteronomy, right? So he really, really liked that book. Um, This is an illustration of Jesus with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Uh, After he had risen, they didn't know. These two dudes are walking along. Jesus shows up. They don't recognize him. And he says, well, what's up? And and they say, have you been under a rock? You don't know what's happened in Jerusalem over the last three days? And they kind of tell him their perception of this guy they were following who met a tragic end. And Jesus takes them aside. And as they're walking along the road, right? You talk about him as you're walking along the road. Um, he recounts to them the entire story of himself from the Old Testament. I just want to fall down and pass out right now. I think that was the greatest Bible study of all time ever right? From the master himself. Say, oh, let me tell you about myself. And then poof, he disappears. He does kind of like a, you know, one of his magic tricks and then shows up later and they go, what the, oh, somebody knows, what did they say when they were together with their friends later when they realized they didn't recognize him? Yes. We're not our hearts burning inside us when he talked to us, right? 
The word works you. Okay. Now some other guys, and these references are for you. I'm not going to read them all. Um, Stephen, the deacon, gives an astonishing sermon in the book of Acts. In fact, it's so good, it gets him stoned. Right? Because he recounts Jewish history in great detail with actually kind of funny commentary sometimes that he throws in. He embellishes the story a teeny tiny bit, but boom, all out of his head. Just boom, 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 boom. Right? And Stephen was just a deacon. Stephen wasn't a rabbi. He was pretty much just a guy. A guy who loved the word and knew it and stored it up, treasured it in his heart and mind. Philip... As I said before, I love the book of Acts because I think it's the original X-Men. Maybe I'm going to call them the original Axe-Men um, because it's like these superhero stories all through the book. This is one of my favorite. The angel speaks to Philip, says, go catch up with that chariot up there. And so he runs alongside and he catches up. How this works, I don't know. And he listens to the guy, the Ethiopian eunuch in the chariot, reading Isaiah out loud. Philip's running, running. The guy's reading Isaiah out loud. And uh, finally, mercifully, they stop and he asks him to go up in the chariot with them. And the eunuch says, what does the eunuch say to Philip? It's the prophet talking about himself or somebody else. And it says, Philip, starting with that verse, and it happens to be in Isaiah 53, which is the gospel of the Old Testament, in case you didn't know that, recounts to the eunuch Jesus from the Old Testament. Right? To the point where he stops, hey, here's water. Can I get baptized? He made the convert listening to the will of God, drawing on the treasure of the word stored up in his heart and mind to usher that fellow into the kingdom. Uh, oh, Paul. That's the story of Paul. Sorry, I just got a little out of order. He's in Rome, tells that story, and it says, all day and all night, he reasoned with them Jesus in the Old Testament. It says, in Moses and the prophets. Jesus in Moses and the prophets. These two, I'm just throwing in because it will give you something to look at later. Uh, Peter and the author of Hebrews, whoever that was, liberally quote the Old Testament. Boom, like this, like this. They may, in fairness, they may have had a scroll that they could refer to to quote it, but not always. And what makes me think that is in Hebrews, I, there's a one phrase that says, it says somewhere in Scripture, and then he just quotes it, right? He was not looking at a source guide to come up with that, that came out of the treasure in his heart and his mind. So I encourage you to read both of those books. Hebrews, just tons and tons and tons of Old Testament quotes. Okay, so that's some examples of people, of what you can do if you've actually stored the word up in your heart and mind. It just comes out because it works you and it works its way out, okay? All right, um, I'm actually going to do it. Application. Um, is anybody in doubt, really, about what the application of this sermon is? <laughs> well, just in the event, I gave you some ideas. Point number one. You know what? I want you to read these out loud with me, okay? And see if in reading them out loud with me, you can find it in your heart to make a commitment today. All right, so let's read number one. Read the entire book in order repeatedly. Stop there. Then I give a, a little equation. Anyone want to solve that equation for me? What is that? This is a roadmap. 15 minutes a day, 
365 days a year equals one time through the Bible. There is no reason why any human being who can read cannot complete the Bible once a year. Take it to 20 minutes, you'll do it in 10 months. Right? It's that easy. Let's read number two. Memorize as much as possible. Great. If I was to say to you, I'm going to start with the easy ones. For God so loved the world, almost everybody gets that one. Okay? That's great. How about this? Jesus said, if you love me, great. Jesus also said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Do you see how this works? This is awesome. That little exchange that we had right there, we can do that with each other all the time and reinforce what we know and bring it out of our treasure store. Okay, number three. Discuss as often as possible, i.e., when you're sitting around your house, when you're walking down the road, when you're getting up in the morning, when you're going to bed at night. I don't know what I've left out. Well, maybe lunch, right? So um, just all the time. Discuss it with other people. Ask questions. Ask hard questions. Ask dopey questions. It doesn't matter. If you explore the word together with a peer, a contemporary, uh, a scholar, it doesn't matter. You will refine your grasp of the book. Okay, number four. Read it aloud with someone else or to someone else. Those of you who are parents, uh, the instruction is right there in the scriptures. Teach the word to your children. I think the easiest way to do that is find a children's Bible. There's lots and lots and lots of materials and just read it out loud to them in a family devotional time. I know some of you do that already, but it's, it would be marvelous. How I wish my parents had done that with me, okay? Um, I will tell you this other story um, by personal example. Um, some time ago, I was trying to encourage my wife to spend more time in the Word, and I didn't want to say, I didn't want to nag. I didn't want to say, you should, you ought to. And I said, hmm, how can we do this? And so, based on a tradition we have of when we go on vacation, when it's not unusual for me to read a novel out loud to my wife on vacation, light bulb, and I said, hey, how about I read the Bible out loud to you? And she said, I'm in. And so, in about 20 minutes a night, four to five nights a week, I read the entire Bible out loud to my beloved spouse in about 18 months. And she says to me today, when we're going through the second time, she says, I never knew the whole story. Not to call you out, sweetie, but I thought it was a powerful illustration. Um, <laughs> try that. Try that with somebody you love. Is Sam Melvin here? Okay, he organized a group of guys one time and then went away to a retreat. Their intention was to read the entire New, T New Testament out loud in one sitting, right? Uh, it got real crazy. I don't know if they really accomplished it, but it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful story. I'm going to suggest start smaller. <laughs> I will tell you this, and I'm going to give this sort of in levels, okay? If um, Psalm 119, Psalm 119 will blow your hair back, Right? in terms of how much that guy loved the word, passionately, all in, devoted to it, okay? Choose somebody in about 15 to 20 minutes, read opposite, there goes a stanza and a stanza, read it um, antiphonally, as they say in choir, back and forth to each other, right? When you hear it out loud, you hear it from a sincere peer, 
taking it seriously at the same time. It makes an impact, right? Read it out loud to somebody else you love and see how it changes their life. Why? Because the word works you. All right, I think we're on number five. Read it with me. Teach it to family, friends, and strangers. And I know I'm going long on time, so I want to wrap up. But family and friends, you get. Where's Guy? There's my buddy Guy Owen right there, okay? This fellow is the king of uber evangelism, right? And, and, and if you didn't know that story, ask Guy to tell you about the experience he's had engaging an Uber driver, right? And Guy, I think about you. I use Uber a lot, and I think about you every time. Sometimes I can mount up to that, but bro, sometimes I just want to sleep, right? Um, uh, But it's possible to engage a stranger if you really know the word, because you can start with an illustration of a current event, or an historic event, or something they say, or something hanging in their car that can lead you to have a story to them, and then you can teach them what you believe. And now I'm going to have, I know I know I'm going late, but I have to make a confession. Okay, I have this stamp on my arm. Can I tell you, once it got to be summer and I wasn't wearing long sleeves anymore, I get stopped in elevators, in airports, and in Ubers asking people to explain what that thing on my arm is. And I take them through the explanation. You know the upside down yellow road sign? That's yield. Do you get what's in the middle of that? And they say, I see a flame. I see a bird. I said, that would be the Holy Spirit. My intention is to live my life yielded to the Holy Spirit. Some engage, others don't. Wow, yellow, that's an unusual color. Um, Okay. I've heard that one. Last, Last one, you ready? Make it fun, use games. If I were to say to you, uh, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord, right? Awesome. Uh, A game that I like to play, I'm gonna show you a couple of my favorites. Um, Well, let me do those quickly. And we'll wrap up. Oh, I'm going to skip that. This is the Bible in two verses. Just write them down, and you can go check me on this. The first one is how awful you are. The second one is how wonderful is God's solution. Okay? See that? It's a game, but I'm never going to forget Jeremiah 17.9 and Isaiah 61.10. Because I made that little joke for myself in doing that. That just works from me. There's another thing, if you've ever watched theater improv, okay, and I'm going to challenge, some of you will mount up to this, and I want to I hear back from it how it works. There's a game in theater improv that you can only speak in cliches or song lyrics, right? Challenge somebody to see how much of a conversation you can have only speaking in Bible verses, right? It goes like this, this is a day that the Lord has made, Right? And just think about how long. I challenge you to see how long you can take that conversation sola scriptura. Okay. And I think we're just about done. Oh, yes. So um, think about those applications. And I just want to remind you of this. Remember that it said in Psalm 119, I will not neglect your word. Let me leave you with this exhortation because I know how you are. Because I know how I am. Right? This is from all you Axios guys will recognize this. It's not going to come as a big surprise. But the final exhortation is just do it. Just do it. Let today be the day that you change your mind.
about loving the word and storing it away in your hearts and minds so that it will come out of you like a fountain. James says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For you listen to the word and don't obey. If you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. The word will work you, and you will find yourself approved. Let's pray. Father in heaven, your, your word is amazing. It's awesome. There's so much to it. It's an adventure story. It's poetry. It's literature. It makes us work, and then it works us in return. I am so grateful. I'm so grateful for that. Um, God, I just pray that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit on this congregation today and that they might embrace this and become people of your word, um, loving it, treasuring it, um, reading it, um, Father, that we might all know it and share it together. Take us on the journey of deeper knowledge of you and greater passion for the gifts you've given us as you express them in our lives through the presence of your Holy Spirit. And we give you praise and glory and honor today in Jesus' great name. Amen.